Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Spare Room Talks. Today we have a very special guest with us for episode number 9, Sharon Murnahan. Hi guys. <laughs> Great to have you on board. How's everything? Brilliant. It's uh, it's Friday of a bank holiday weekend. What's not to like? Indeed, indeed. What's not to like? Thanks for coming in. You're welcome. How's the weather today getting over here? Breezy and sunny. Let's get all <laughs> the Emphasis on get, the breezy. Let's get all the washing out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Cool. Okay, so Sharon, our challenge was essentially trying to to narrow this down into an only like a, a twenty or thirty minute thing because otherwise we'd be here for for days, you know, with all with all of the yeah. questions that we have for you. <laughs> so um, maybe we can start off with a little bit about your story for folks who may not know that you're the number one global sales rep in HubSpot uh, and basically how you've gotten to that stage. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks very much for, for a very flattering introduction. Um, a little bit about myself and how I got to be that number one person is I came from a non-tech print background uh, for, and I worked in Golden Pages, which I tell most of my colleagues in HubSpot mm -hmm. and my clients is Yellow Pages because Golden Pages is unique to Ireland. Yellow Pages is the actual global brand. Mm -hmm. So I worked in Yellow Pages for about 10 years. I worked in a national newspaper and I, and I kind of figured out that, you know, there really isn't much of a future in print. <laughs> Gotta have to reinvent myself and figure out what's next. How soon did you figure that out, actually? Well, I think I kind of woke up one morning and I figured out that I I worked key accounts in Golden Pages and I really didn't believe in the value proposition any longer and asking high-valued clients for a ton of money to put an advert in a print publication mm -hmm. that had diminishing returns. I just couldn't do it any longer. So I did a lot of soul searching and kind of said, okay, mm -hmm. Something needs to change, what needs to change, how am I going to change it, and when. So the when was kind of like now. It was a case of this needs to happen pretty quick. And the how was, I did a bit of research, I kind of looked into myself and said, hey, what am I good at? Um, very much, look, if you're ever thinking of a career change, don't try and say go from being a pa painter to being a trapeze artist. Mm -hmm. You know, go from being a painter to being a landscape gardener. At right. least your skill set is similar. Transferable, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it wasn't a case of going from being a salesperson to being an accountant. The learning curve would be too hard. Um, it would take too long. And really, is your heart and soul in it? My heart and soul is in sales. Mm -hmm. I love selling. Full stop. Um, which is kind of unique because when you're a kid... You know, if somebody says to you when you're a kid, you know, do you want to work in sales? You kind of go, no, I want to be a fireman or I want to be an aerostess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you want to be something Policeman, nice yeah. and sexy and attractive. Um, you want to work in sales? You know, a career where 90% of the day people say no. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, even when I went to work in Yellow Pages, I remember my mom saying to me, um, you're going to work in sales? <laughs> Uh, because I worked in the bank at the time, which yeah. in Ireland is every parent's dream. Yeah. You know, their child is either a lawyer, a priest or a banker. And I was in the bank. So, you know, what wasn't, what wasn't for my parents to like? Yeah, and yeah. now I was telling her that I was leaving the banking, a good, stable career, pensionable, permanent, to go and work <laughs> in sales. Yeah. Risky. <laughs> People say no to you all the time and you've got to start again. But I find I loved it. I loved it. And then when it came time to reinvent myself because... Yes, selling was my strong point, but selling in this particular niche, this particular industry, mm -hmm. was no longer viable. 
So I kind of looked at what was viable and the internet was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, internet, Facebook, in- Instagram was coming along, all that kind of stuff. This is where people were going. People looking for a That's problem where the to solve. Was going, basically, right. yeah. yeah, you look for a problem to solve. Where do you go? Internet. There you go. Where do you go? Google. There you go. See? Google. People go to yeah, Google. I mean, Probably they gave you that to your show. Hopefully they'll program. sponsor the next episode. <laughs> if I gave a yellow pages or a golden pages to my son, he'd kind of look at me and go, Mom, what's that? <laughs> no, they, today's kids don't know what it is. Yeah, they, yeah. they live in their phone. Right. So I, that, that the how was, so that was the, the when, that mm-hmm. was the what I needed to do, and the how was how am I going to do it. Yeah. So I went back to college, and I did a night course in digital marketing. It was the end of the recession here in Ireland, so I went to the credit union and borrowed the money. Um, I borrowed the money, did this night course for three, four hours every Tuesday night for 13 weeks. Why? Because I wanted to do the quick one um, so that I had digital experience and a digital certification on my curriculum, on my CV, so that I would be more attractive to potential employers in that line of business. Yeah. And ironically, one of my lecturers said to me, what about HubSpot? And at the time, six years ago, it was a case of hub who? <laughs> Nobody had heard of HubSpot. We hadn't opened the office here in Dublin at the time. When, when did it open in Dublin, actually? Six years ago. Okay. March, wow. six years ago. Brand new, yeah. Wow. In fact, it could even be today's date. I'm not 100% sure, but it was the opening was when I was on New Heart Training in Boston. Yeah. I was interviewed in the hotel up the road because we didn't have offices. That's, That's insane. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm HubSpot employee number 16. <laughs> wow. Back in... <laughs> So you guys wow. were, it was in the, in the, in the AIG building, right? Yeah. With when all the boxes were there. I only heard yeah. stories. Yeah. That's all awesome. the boxes. And, and we figured it out as we went along. And that was kind of nice. It's kind of nice yeah. to be part of a build. It's kind of nice to be part of figuring it out. And it's kind of nice to be, it's okay to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's okay not to be perfect, which was new to me. Um, <laughs> and everybody was, everybody had that camaraderie. Yeah. And, you know, I joined a new team there recently for similar reasons. It's something a little bit new. Okay, now we're six years down the road, so we're very established and the brand is established. But this is a, a new proposition to really look after our customers. And I went for the opportunity just before Christmas, secured it in January, started on February 1, mm-hmm. because it's part of something new and it's part of building something new that's going to give value back to customers. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. How did you... So it's one thing to... to you know, to, to be, you know, one of the first to, to, uh, to have joined the, uh, the sales organization there, at least in, at least in, uh, in Dublin or in EMEA. But how did you get from, from there to, to where you got to ultimately? Well, we, we want, we want the, the juicy details. The good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we, we, we want to, we want to know, like, because it's, it, it's such an incredible feat. Like, how do you, how do you even charter a path? Like you, I don't know, did, did you even plan to be something like that or did it just happen by you just following your, your day-to-day kind of process? Or? It, that's another good question. And yes and yes is the answer. Okay. Um, and the reason I say it like that is, I don't, unbeknownst to me, as I apparently said on New Hire Training to the one of the head honchos of HubSpot, I'm going to be your number one salesperson. Um, and Brian Halligan reminded me of that about two years later. Because you know, when we met on New Hire, when you were on a New Hire training, you told me you were going to be the number one salesperson. So just watch that space. <laughs> so obviously, it wow. was. Um, oh, why? I mean, just is why did you say that? Why? Why did I say that to him? Yeah, just maybe it's part of my DNA. And 
yeah, maybe it's part of my DNA and maybe it's because I kind of, it was a challenge when I joined HubSpot. I mean, you don't go from print media, uh, a working mom of two kids, into a completely um, unknown environment where mm -hmm. that's all tech and and everybody wants to help you. I mean, this is one of the really <laughs> other things is that people genuinely wanted to help you. Right. Um, whereas I'd come from a background or in other backgrounds, people do want to help you, but oftentimes they want to help you with something in return. This was an environment where people actually didn't want anything back. They just wanted to help you be successful. Mm -hmm. Right. And it took me the first year I did struggle um, because everything was so new and I was learning. And I just kind of, I've got good grit. I'm, I'm a very gritty person. And I kind of said to myself, if it's to be, it's up to me. I'm going to make this work. Um, you have the support from the people internally. And with that acknowledgement, I kind of went, okay, what do I need to do to make this happen? Yeah. I need to figure out the technology. How much of the technology do I need to figure out? I need to figure out certain aspects of the technology and the other parts of it. We have sales engineers who do that. Mm -hmm. So let them do their job and let me do my job. So that enabled me then to learn the things that are more relevant to my job. So you didn't need to know everything, which no. brought you some peace of mind. That, you know. Huge peace of mind. I mean, I remember asking for advice over um, one of my colleagues who was over from Boston. And I said to him, you know, tell me some books to read about technology. And he went, Sharon, your role is to help businesses grow. Read books in relation to in relation to business growth, not in relation to technology. That's what sales engineers will do. So work with them and work on your <coughs> skill set that's going to add value to the customers that you're looking after. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I started reading those kind of books that were about business growth, business build, um, challenger sales, asking questions, um, helping people grow a business. The challenger sale, I've heard a lot about that one. Yeah. Is it a good book? Yeah. A very good book. And what's nice about it is it's a nice short punchy book. Mm -hmm. So it's not one of these 500 pages. It's yeah. probably got about less than a hundred. Right. So you can read it sitting on public transport on your way home in the evenings. Would that be, what are your top three books? The top that? three books would be the challenger sale. A very good one. Um, another book <laughs> called built to sell Okay. by John Whittemore. And the third one would be traction. Okay, by Gina Whitman. Gina Whitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you take those three and your salesperson and you put them together, you have a very seriously good, strong, robust winning formula about how to be successful in sales. It's really interesting how you mentioned traction because that's more about, you know, overall uh, like processes, yep. structure, and kind of yep. you know bus general business growth. But that in itself is is something that's very transferable to sales as well. And sales is all about a process. I'm yeah. a huge, huge believer, um, and nothing more so than the company that I then joined, yeah. is it is about the process. Now, in my Yellow Pages selling days, we had a process. Kinda. <laughs> in the company I'm with now, and in most companies now, if there isn't a process, I would encourage you to go and find a process yeah. and put it together. Read books like that, like Traction is about the 10 steps to uh, entrepreneurially putting a system in place. Built to sell actually doesn't follow those steps per se, but it does actually follow those steps mm -hmm. um, inadvertently. And it's told as a storyboard about a guy who's starting a business and then grows the business so that he can sell it. Um, and then the challenger sale is about, you know, a lot of salespeople are ask, are ask a question, get an answer, accept the answer. Then when they actually go to make a, a value proposition of why you should buy my product, they don't actually have anything substantial on which to sit that on top of because they didn't ask the right questions. Right. They didn't push back on fluffy answers. 
Right. That is something that I learned in that first year. Pushing back on fluffy answers. Push back on fluffy answers. Yeah, and it's right. okay to yeah. do that. Like no budget, it's not the right time. Yeah, no, oh look, you know, well we ca we kind of have a budget. Okay. So tell me more about that. Well, you know, we have a budget that's going it's between fifty and a hundred thousand. Okay. Is it fifty or is it a hundred thousand? Because there's a big difference. And you can do and what are you going to do with that budget? And when are you going to get it? And who is going to fund it? And how are you going to then apportion it to the turning the lights on during the day or paying your sales team their salaries? So when you push back, you actually help business owners to really think mm -hmm. about what's in it for their business. Okay. Have they really thought through these well, they, types they, they, of questions? They have to be personally, almost like emotionally in, in, invested in the exactly. whole process. Exactly, and, and, and process. trust is a really big thing, you know, because what puts you in a position for them to be so open or what, what gives you the leverage to be able to ask them those questions and push back on their answers? Trust is massive. And that doesn't, you can't really do that on your first meeting right uh, i think where trust comes in is do what you say you'll do um another thing is look at your linkedin profile and use it uh, reposition it uh, scope it out so that it does reflect that you are a trustworthy incredible person mm -hmm. uh, it is your shop window mm -hmm. when you reach out to a customer or a prospect first place they're going to go to suss you out check you out <laughs> is something like linkedin you do it they're going to do it so yep. make sure that what they see is a good reflection of you. Don't recreate the truth. The truth is the truth. Mm -hmm. Accept it. That's like a good it. segue into the next yes. part, which is, and let's just put this to rest, like cold calling, right? In 2019, like what's your take on that? You know, um, is, it, is it something that is, and let's just talk about it like objectively. I know that some people uh, really, really, uh, I think a lot of sometimes people think oh, cold calling is you know is something that's it's a taboo of sorts. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the word I was looking for. Taboo. Let's just speak objectively. Is it something that you believe is a necessary part of any uh, you know prospecting or or, or, or biz dev uh, process, or do you think there are ways around it, the alternatives to it? What's your take on on the whole cold calling piece? Yeah, I suppose it depends on how you define cold calling. That's a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I have a target, I have a, a, a quarterly target and I don't have that many people in my database or my database is shut. Like, how am I going to make up for that? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm going to start, you know, searching up some, some companies and seeing, finding, you know, triggers or opportunities to reach out to them. Yeah. So if you're really, really cold calling, so say using your example that you're a new rep and you have a a quote over your head mm -hmm. and you don't have, you're not supplied with leads, um, which if you're not, I feel very sorry for you. But <laughs> if you're not, and you know, you could be a BDR in, in a company and they've got to, you've got to go and source those leads yourself. Yeah. And cold calling is hard. It is hard work, but it's the research part of it that should be the hard work part of it. So that by the time you come to actually do that cold reach out that physical calling bit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you've done so much stuff beforehand that it becomes nearly a warm reach out right now a warm, you know them so well perhaps you know them so well but you also want them to know you mm -hmm. now you you don't know them they don't know you because you've never connected um you don't have any similarities so your starting point could be something like using social media and um, the, the likes of linkedin is very strong again back to first thing you do make sure you have a good strong profile yourself that's your shop window but then if you do want to do the cold calling um 
look at, know your market, know your industry, um, figure out yourself who it is that is your market, uh, who is your target market, who are your target customers. Then go into that industry. There are lots of company databases and so on and so forth that will provide you with, I mean, this is the beauty of the internet. It's mm -hmm. all online and it's all free. Yeah, yeah. Um, LinkedIn, Crunchbase, uh, yeah, even just, with, yeah, yeah Angel. Yeah. Technology has enabled all that. Just yeah. be super smart about it. You're saying that, that that's almost like such a commodity now. It's, it's all about sort of like the, the art of the preparation before you. But the like the info is there. The people are, are quote unquote there. It's how are you going to prepare them for, for you know, uh, getting in touch with you or, or for that outreach in general? I think the key, the win to cold calling is that by the time you do that call, you're a warm call. They mm -hmm. think that you are, they know you, they've heard of you, you're, you're, you're their best friend. So that when you do actually reach out to have that initial conversation, they'll kind of go, oh yeah, that's Kareem. Or, oh yeah, that's Sharon. Or, oh yeah, that's Amma. I know that guy. Or I know that girl. I've seen something that she's written. Or she's liked a blog post that I wrote. Mm -hmm. So be proactive in your activity. Go back and as I said, Know your market, find out your target market. Um, go and search company databases of who are the most, um, which companies match your, your, your ideal company the most. Yeah, and then, that's, that step in itself, yep. it will take so much time for folks Absolutely. to wrap their heads around. Yeah, yeah. And once you, but once you start doing it, you'll get better at it because you right. know yourself, repetition builds speed yeah. um, and builds efficiency. Then, you know, do look at your own profile on LinkedIn because that is kind of like your landing page. Mm -hmm. Um, start sourcing those companies through the likes of LinkedIn. Find out who are the people in there. What are their daily interests? Who who are they as people? Then, and when I, you when you're searching for the people, are you looking for you know um, kind of like decision influencers, or do you start at the at the very top and then uh, from there you see like how 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 well, how far you can go basically a bit of both you could start you could start with their website and start reading their blogs mm -hmm. read their blogs you get an idea of what's going on in their company what um where their pain points happen to mm -hmm. be then if you match that by going into linkedin and finding out who are the decision makers who wrote that blog was it the decision maker or was it a content creator um use the advanced settings on the likes of linkedin how many people are in that company mm -hmm. um do you have any shared groups and mm -hmm. um, as a bit of a sideline that's actually how i did get into hubspot eventually was i found somebody who was in a shared group with the digital marketing course that i did yeah. and right. i used that as a warm lead yeah. into hubspot uh, rather than a cold reach out because yeah. i know I, I had a fair idea that cold reach outs are not as are not as robust and don't have as much success as a warm reach out, but essentially it was actually a cold reach out with with warm qualification beforehand. Yeah. So when you're trying to build a lead list that you um, have on up for cold calling, it's almost exactly the same type of thing. Use LinkedIn, use social media, find out who what does the hierarchy in that company look like? Who are the influencers? How can you get to that influencer? Do you have common ground with any of those contacts um, in that company? Or do you have a contact who knows a contact who knows a contact who can make a warm introduction? Right. Um, start blogging, start writing some content yourself. Start establishing yourself as a thought leader so that by the time you then do come to do that warm reach out, mm -hmm you their reaction would be oh i know that dude so it's, it's i've an, seen something they've written yeah, yeah. so d doing whatever you can just to enter their environment just to cross their eyes 
so that when you do reach out, they you're not coming out of the blue completely. So even if it's like the loosest of connections, that still goes a much longer way than. And do you know how you could sum it up? You could sum it up actually into two words: be interesting, and be interested. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you're interesting right. to them, you know, if you have a shared connection, or you've written a blog post, or you've got something really unique on your LinkedIn profile, that's interesting to them. If they've written a blog post or they've done or there's a blog post or something on their website or they've just got venture capital funding, like it, share it, but just don't don't do it blindly. Right. Put a comment on it. Um now I know we're in a time deficient society whereby, you know, time is nobody's friend. Um yeah. so you but know But still it goes such a long way when you when you uh, you know when when you leave your your two cents, <laughs> you know, in the form of a comment or like leaving a you know, like a, a message saying congrats or I read so and so. Anything that gives a signal mm-hmm. that that you're genuinely interested and that this yeah. is not like a, <laughs> a copy paste like <laughs> template or something. Yeah. But even more so, I mean, imagine you're at a party. Yeah. Imagine you're at a party with a whole load of people you don't know, and this guy comes up to you, and he stands like this at you. Now, how do you feel? Uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly the same yeah. on social media. If you start looking at and liking things, that guy is going to go, who is this person? Who is that person? Yeah. They're liking, ev- they're liking everything I'm doing, but it's a little bit like stalking. Right. Stalking with no qualifications, stalking with no interest. There's no message there, sort of. Yeah. There's nothing interesting and nothing interested. So yeah. if you actually read, you don't have to read the whole article. Read the top, read the bottom. Yeah, get an idea. Find course, something yeah. in there that you can make a comment on. Send it back. Hey, Kareem, I really like that article you wrote about da-da-da. I was particularly interested in such and such, and this is the reason why. Right. You can do that standing at a bus stop on your phone. And how do you end it in that case? Do you say just have a good day, or do you say let's talk about it? You could say have a good day and leave it at that for a first initial co- uh, reach out. The next time they do something, say, hey, I see you. Hey, just following up on that blog post you wrote, I see you wrote another one, or I see you got further funding. Mm -hmm. Really thrilled to see companies like yours being successful and securing funding like that. Would you like to connect? Now you're a connection, and they'll come back. I mean, who wouldn't come back and say, yeah, of course I'd like to connect. And people would appreciate that because, like, you're actually relating to them. There's, There's a whole message there. So even if there's, like, no former, like you know, connection or relationship mm-hmm. there, you're reaching out, out of the blue, essentially, yeah. while complimenting them or... And it's not a hard sell. Them. You're not going in and saying, well, I work for a company that helps companies like you. We do this, 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 They're going to look yeah, at that and go... This, my title is this and I'm the brand. Yeah, they're going to look at it and go, so what? Yeah, I mean, what's in it for me? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would say to somebody, if you ever reach out to somebody for something mm-hmm. ever, and their first reaction is, so what? You failed. Who? I mean, if they, yeah. if their first reaction is, so what? What's in it for me? Nothing. The, yeah. Nothing. It's already over. There's yeah. no value. Yeah, yeah. Always give value. Whatever yeah. it is, even if it's a tiny, tiny bit. Hey, I worked with a customer like yours, and this is what they did. Yeah. Would you like me to connect you? It's all oh, about connections. Just like that, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Be helpful. And do you find that... Is it fair to say that LinkedIn is like a big part of, of, of your process, coming back to processes? Yeah, using LinkedIn um, for something like that. I mean, is there another way to do what you just said? Uh, or do you, are we really talking about LinkedIn here in terms of you know, following up with folks and news and things like that? Well, I think there's, there's always other ways to do things. Um, 
but as a salesperson, you always want to do things yesterday, fast and quickly. Mm. Um, so, but do spend a bit of time before you do some, do a cold reach out or when you're putting a cold calling list together, do spend a bit of time on what is my strategy to do this? Is it to look at company websites? Is it to look through company or industry related articles? But then LinkedIn is there. Mm-hmm. and it's already done a bunch of the work for you so why would you not leverage it Absolutely if you're in right. germany you'll use something like bing because they're not big big on into linkedin over there so find something similar in in that society or that industry or that country that you're working in yeah. uh, twitter is another good one put set up some alerts on your on your own profile or on your own email some Just alerts generally being in the know mentions yeah. mention at something and get an alert on that and yeah. tweet it back like tweet duck for example i love it it's yeah. so tactical sharon i love it yeah you should write a book after this together <laughs> <laughs> on, my, on my bucket list huh on oh, my yeah. bucket list amazing okay you've cool. heard it here indeed, oh, indeed. now i'm yeah, accountable first to read that okay so tying that in with my our next question which is if you joined a startup today right and mm. you started prospect uh, a startup today zero brand uh zero sales team how would you get the first 10 customers assuming that you're already having these kind of so using that process, now we have prospects, now we're getting them on the phone, now they're interested to hear you out at least. How do you go from, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm interested to actually being able to, you know, qualify them properly and actually close them as well. So if I, if I was the startup company, yeah. the one of the first things, back to, again, the LinkedIn, have your shop window decent. Yeah. yeah. Um, other thing you I would advise you to look at is don't, don't spend all the time planning everything. Don't spend all your time strategizing everything. Um, if you don't start selling something, you've got no customers. If you've got no customers, you've got no business. So what yeah. you want to do is start looking at something that's going to get out there so mm-hmm. that it can come back in. Look at the websites are fabulous. Do you have time as a startup to build a website? Probably not. Build a landing page. There's lots of free tools out there that you can build a landing page on. WordPress, HubSpot, lots and lots of stuff. Build a landing page, put a form on it, Mm -hmm. put a call to action. Good start. Start doing some content. If you're not into blogging, um, find somebody who is. There's lots of people out there, um, lots of journalists, um, who would be quite happy to be paid 50 quid to write a blog post for you. Um, Get them to do that write a blog post or again, back to your LinkedIn strategy, share other people's blog posts. Yeah. Um, put on your landing page link, put on your value proposition. So the first thing is your LinkedIn profile. Second thing is your landing page. Third thing is um, your value proposition. What is your positioning statement? Who are you? What can you do? And how can you add value to somebody? And know it and know it properly. Know it in 30 seconds. If you were to stand, if you were to get into that elevator and go up to the top floor with Steve Jobs, how are you going to pitch your business yeah, in, 30, pitch. in 30 seconds or more? So that's, that's very interesting because essentially everything you said is basically reverse engineering what a potential lead would do once they'd find out that you've reached out to them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if someone reaches out to me, the first thing I'll do is I'll Google their name. Google their company. Yeah, yeah. Who's this person? So LinkedIn, literally, so literally going through, all right, what will they do once I reach out to them and what are all the channels that they're going to look at? Absolutely. But I think that goes, that sort of touches on a very interesting conversation that Kareem and I always have, um, especially like when we started Tribe Tactics, which is a lot of time people would spend a lot of time like conceptualizing things and like planning things 
yeah, rather planning. than over planning and rather than I just got a new idea and yeah, yeah. exactly Ra- rather than actually just trying to go out there and sell something and that's something that Kareem and I sort of went went back back and forth on because it happens to us while. as well where like yeah. we get an idea and it's like on do the we, one hand it's do great. we just do it or do we perfect it or yeah. at what stage is it worth us actually trying to put this out there because subconsciously the big reason for us not to just put everything that comes across our mind out there is that reputation and trust is a really big thing so it's it's always really interesting to say to like think about all right is this worthwhile for us to do because if we're unable to deliver on this Mm. this might leave a bad sort of reputation and like things spread or whatever it may be so i was wondering like what your thoughts on like in your own experience around finding the balance between being just perfect and ready to go and just not knowing where you are and just with an idea of actually reaching out for the whole song. Yeah, it's an interesting one, all right. It's a case of um, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get started. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of am a bit like that as well and kind of I keep saying to myself, Sharon, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be done. Or it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be started. And then I say to myself, yeah, but I also want it to be perfect as well. So yeah. I, I kind of think that... I'm thinking of the 60-page deck now that you're, that's your immense <laughs> yeah. thing you're Yeah, it didn't need to be 60-deck. And you spend so much time in it, and then you look back <laughs> and you go, why did I spend so much time in it when I only use six? But then, you know, what I also think of is... I, I read somewhere there once, you know, like Barack Obama spends two days um, practicing for a 10-minute speech. Like really? two days to practice 10 wow. minutes. And he and he he is involved in writing his own content as well. So you know maybe it does take sixty pages of a PowerPoint deck to bring it down to six pages. Yeah, we're not perfect. It's a, there isn't a perfect formula on it. I think it's a lot to do with your own. Um, just get it started. But I do think what would be helpful to doing that getting started bit is to do a small bit of strategizing. Do something like um, now you'll have known this from our HubSpot days. Put together a. Um, something like an M spot, okay, which stands for, let me remember it, mission, strategy or serving, um, um, Please. S, plan, oh. um, opportunities and timeline yeah. or, uh, or omissions, not opportunities, omissions. So put together something like an M spot. So say, what is your mission? What is your mission as Tribe Tactics? What are you here to do? Why has whoever is God it is you believe in put you on this earth? So what is the mission of Tribe Tactics? Then, um, what is, who are you serving? Back to who is your target mm-hmm. market? Who can you add most value to? You can loop in strategy into that one a little bit as well, but I do think that whole M-Spot document is a strategy document anyway. Yeah. So look at the serving bit. Where can we add most value? How can we solve most problems for and who are... Because you're not going to do it for everybody. And that's the danger a startup does fall into because they do think that they can... They want to do it for everybody. Do everything can't. at once. Yeah. You just can't. So be selfish. Be really selfish with your time and stick to your M-Spot. Right. Then your, your plans. Mm. How are you going to do it? You know, what is the plan to serve that market so we achieve that mission? And the really nice one, the O one, is brilliant. The omissions. Write down what you're not going to do. Now, it doesn't have to be not do forever. It just has to be not to do right now. Yeah, at this point in right. time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you want to serve um, industry market A, B and C, you can't serve all three of them when you're starting. You can serve one. So pick one. Which is the most lucrative? Which one can I add most value to? And which one can I get to quickly and first? 
as so, your point earlier as well like that's that's half of the sales piece done already because they feel like you are you're essentially offering something that was like literally like you know bespoke to, to them yep. you know it's not just you know those restaurants that sell like pizzas and burgers and a bit of pasta as well yep. and steak oh and sushi <laughs> and like no one ever steps in there you know? yeah because they're but very if, confused but if you have like pizza and even even pizza like if you if you become like you know like you don't even have like like all the all the amazing like burger shops for example only have like two two burgers on Max. the on the menu or yeah. three mm. and you know you, you 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 start thinking like wow they must be really good at that if they don't have if they're not doing what everyone else mm. is doing where it's like oh yeah you know b2b like we do everything um you know full service like just 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 come just come talk to us um and it's it's a very uh, weird like psychological barrier because you think yeah well you know if i'm if i'm positioned for everyone then everyone will feel welcome mm-hmm. but it never ends up being that way especially like you were saying like with um with the internet like i feel so old saying this but with <laughs> with the internet like there's you can google anything you want in any particular niche mm. and so you have to be one of these niches you can't be there for everyone anymore it's at a, the start anyway yeah well it's also i mean i worked for a long time um in in hubspot with uh, marketing agencies and it is, it is a chat and a lot of them were starting up at the time and it is a question that did come up over and over and over should i specialize should i niche or should i just be all things to everyone and my answer back to them was niche is better because it's very hard to be all things to everyone mm-hmm. but then also when you're starting off up you, you're not going to say no to business so I would say, yes, take take the business. They're going to help fund putting the lights on. Um, but have it on your M spot or on your mission statement or on your strategy document that this is the market that I'm going to go after. Yeah. And you know what? Even put it into your O, your omissions. Let's focus on this for now and then we can bring in the others later. Let's do one thing and do it really right. Right. Yeah. And then put the timeline attached to it. So let's do that one thing, do it really right and we're going yeah. to do it by when so that we can achieve our plan to serve our customers, to help yeah. to hit, achieve that mission I, I, in the first place. I think place. that's a huge point, equally as important to knowing exactly what you're gonna do is knowing exactly what you won't do. Cause I know that's something we both faced. Like yeah. we, we, we got pretty close to accepting opportunities and we decided to just say no to them. They were attractive, but deviated from what it, what, what it is that we were really focusing on. Hmm. And then in hindsight, I think we, we, we made the right decision um, just focusing on what it is that we've set out to do yeah. and sticking to that rather than getting distracted. Because like you said, like with, with the repetition piece, you're also building like reputation or a brand or you, yeah. or you become known for something. Exactly. And it's very difficult to be uh, known. Let's, like, like using the restaurants example, it's very known to be, it's very hard to be known as the restaurant to go to, which is for like, everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like if you decide to focus on only like um, pasta or whatever, it's just an easier kind of like mental heuristic for for folks to to come around. Uh, okay, cool. So we had one uh, one final question around. Uh, so for companies that are going after enterprises, right? Mm. This is obviously, uh, or maybe you can tell us like how is this different from, you know, dealing with, uh, for example, SMBs. How do you go about? Uh, I think orchestrating is the right word here. How do you go about orchestrating and navigating kind of an enterprise landscape to be able to get all the you know, the buying committees or, or, or all the dis- different decision influencers and makers on, mm. on board with the plan? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, it's not it's similar to what we've already talked about, um, back to your LinkedIn profile, back to doing the reach out um, 
and kind of scoping out the whole company. Mm. What you've got to remember, I think the key, I think the key thing for a salesperson when they're dealing with enterprise is two things to be mindful of. One, it's a much longer sales process. It's not a quick fix. I mean, when I was working with marketing agencies and I was hunting, if I wanted to hit my number this month, I went after the smaller businesses because they could make the decision quickly. Um, if I wanted to build a business for the long term, I went after the enterprise mm -hmm. um, because they've got more money, they've got more longevity and they've got more sustainability. Yeah. But it is a much longer sales process. So, um, and when you say longer, like if we have to give a range, what would you say? Oh, you're, you're talking about 90 days. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine it could even be longer depending on the depending on the size of the company yeah. and the value of the, the deal that you're looking for. You know, I'm a big believer in the, the higher the value of the purchase, the longer it takes to make a decision. Sure. I mean, if you think about it, I yeah. mean, how long does it take a four year old to walk into a shop and choose a lollipop? You know, they're going to, or even the mother of a four-year-old go in. I mean, the, this, the, the decision-making is sugar or non-sugar, Yeah. pink or blue. It's a 50 cent buy. There you go. In and out, you're gone in four seconds. You're buying a house. It's going to take you six months to a year. You're yeah. going to look at location. You're going to look at pricing. You're going to look at schools. You're going to look at public transport. So the higher the value of the purchase, yeah. the longer it takes to make that decision. Plus, you also remember that in the enterprise landscape, it's a much more complex decision. Because one, usually what you're selling is more complex mm. um, because you're solving for an awful lot more. And two, then there's an awful lot more decision makers. So, you know, and what you've got to really realize is when you're selling to enterprise is each decision maker is going to have their own agenda. Each decision maker is going to have their own pain points and their own problems. Mm -hmm. And each decision maker is going to have their own uh, possibly way of purchasing and um, there might even be internal political conflicts so selling to enterprise you really have to actually a nice way of putting it would be you really have to be a good little knitter i mean i don't know do you, do you know what knitting is yeah you need to be very good at being able to gather all the pieces and strands of wool and knit them together in right. one nice document or one nice sweater or pair yeah. of socks or whatever it happens to be so you know and do you find, sorry to cut you off, do you mm -hmm. find yourself, say, you know, step one is let me just find this, a champion inside and then from there I can navigate everyone's kind of like, like get intel on kind of like folks, like different people's like agendas or, or, uh, or pain points or, or personal goals. Yeah, that's a very good idea. That's a very good suggestion. You know, if you find that champion, find your champion um, and go on site. Mm -hmm. Enterprise dealings are trust relationship build go on site um go and meet them in, in on their home turf you know go to their watering hole people are more comfortable in their own environment right. sure. so go to their watering hole um it also gives you good insight into the makeup of the company right ask for a walk around you could even start with i'm not here to sell you anything i'm just here to try and learn about your business and ask for a walk around and you know make mental notes of there's that department, there's that department. When they're doing the meet and greet and introducing you, what's the chemistry between the two internal? Mm -hmm. You know, how do they see the yeah, champion? Are they BFFs or do they, you know, they or, are they? Do, yeah, other, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what are the internal political dynamics that you yeah. need to, to cover off? Again, back to also understand how they do make a purchasing decision. Yeah. Uh, what is the hierarchy involved? Is it a different hierarchy? How do they currently buy high value things at the moment? Um, 
earn your place at the table do your homework in advance uh, do your research in advance yeah. uh, look at other things that they've purchased in the past um, and draw connections and associations yeah. that way yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, back to knitting and then knit it all together and yeah. even do mini interviews on site. Hey, can I grab a cup of coffee with you? I'm happy to come back another day when it suits you. Mm. Because you come back another day when it suits you, you meet a different person. They might introduce you to other different right. people and then try and understand who, what their pain points are and see them as um, compartmentalize each of them mm -hmm. and then leverage the relationship you have with that champion yeah. to understand what is the holistic pain point yeah. and do you need to solve it individually yeah. Or could you solve it collectively? Yeah. Is your book on pre-order or not yet? <laughs> We'd love to, to get a copy of Be the first I, to read that for sure. I love your I love how your approach is very like scientific. You're almost like a um, almost like a scientist or like a researcher. A surgeon. Like, huh? A surgeon. A surgeon. <laughs> Dissecting everything. You know, yeah, there's like a specific process. I'm not getting emotionally attached to any any S's or any no's. I'm just following the process. Yeah. And if you know like there's more than one approach there's more than one way to to achieve the goal i'm just here you know testing different things and and just really following following the um, the process and, and and being true to that and that's that that's one of the first things i learned i mean it's one of the things that did help me become a, a top salesperson is to follow the is to follow the process yeah Um. don't skip steps um i would recommend I mean, every company will have a process. If they don't, find one and put it in yourself. Um, don't skip the steps because you'll you'll live to regret it. <laughs> and I have. Yeah, I, I genuinely I have. I remember my boss one time telling me when I was dealing with this group of customers that I'd worked for ages, but I'd skipped a couple of steps or I hadn't qualified early or hadn't qualified well enough early enough. Yeah. And then they did a 360 degree turn when I asked for the order. And it was literally like really okay back and self-analyze my boss just said to me Sharon go for a walk around the block go out <laughs> go out and kick the can outside <laughs> again gave me permission yeah. to have failed I failed I learned from the failure I moved on um but it hurt at the time yeah it did hurt I mean salespeople you know when you lose the big sale that you've worked on for ages it does hurt but then you know you need to pick yourself up and say right where's the next one yeah right. what do I do now there's always going to be another one that mindset of course is like it's such an integral yeah. part of it yeah for sure Sharon thank you so much for joining us today we could be here for like literally all day as we said but we're conscious of your time so uh, thanks for joining us and we'll stay in touch for sure my pleasure thank my you. pleasure thank you <laughs>